This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. People with MCI can function normally, independently, do their banking, plan activities, perform in their occupations. That's Dr. Nicole Anderson from Baycrest, Toronto's leading brain health institute. She's the co-author of a new book on mild cognitive impairment, a condition that affects half a million Canadians. She'll break down the facts about MCI, how to recognize it, and most of all, how to live a high-functioning life if you have it. I do a lot of interfaith work uh, with respect to building better relationships between African-American clergy and their understanding of the state of Israel. He's the rabbi of the largest African-American Hebrew congregation in the United States. And he's Michelle Obama's cousin. We'll have a full interview with Capers Fournier coming up. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We'll start here in Canada. This week, there was a pension warning from the prestigious C.D. Howe Institute. It's joining CARP, a new vision of aging, in demanding that Ottawa rethink the rules for pooled registered pension plans. Now the rules for PRPPs are essentially identical to those for RRSPs. And Susan Eng, Vice President of Advocacy for CARP, tells us that's a big tax problem. And the reason for that is that the deduction that you get for making a contribution to a PRPP or indeed an RRSP is deductible and you get a tax deduction that is really very modest because you had a lower marginal tax rate. But the problem arises when later on you are drawing the money out after you get your old age security and might be eligible for the guaranteed income supplement. And at that time, uh, the little amount that you are drawing out of the PRPP is going to affect your eligibility for GIS. You'll find more information on the pension study online at cdhow.org. Talk about finding a gem in a dusty box in the attic. That's where Stefan Tall found a nearly pristine recording of an interview with Martin Luther King Jr. It was recorded in 1960 by his father, an insurance salesman who was also working on a memoir of King's life. The project was never finished, and the interview went unheard for over 50 years. Here's a clip. When the history books are written in future years... Historians will have to record this movement as one of the greatest epics of our heritage. Uh, no one of goodwill can disagree with the ends of the sit-in movement, the end to break down all barriers between people on the basis of race or color. One of Canada's favorite Zoomers is returning to television. NBC has announced plans for a new sitcom starring Michael J. Fox that is loosely based on the actor's own life. It will follow Fox as he plays a father of three from New York City who's dealing with his family, career, and the challenges brought on by Parkinson's disease. 
Robert Greenblatt, the chairman of NBC Entertainment, says bringing Fox back to NBC is a supreme honor. Fox's breakout role was on the 1980s NBC sitcom Family Ties. His new show with NBC is set to premiere in the fall of 2013. And finally this week, we lost a comedy legend. Would you believe that I once entered a beauty contest? I must have been out of my mind. I not only came in last, I got 361 get well cards. (laughs) Phyllis Diller passed away at the age of 95 on Monday morning at her Los Angeles home. She broke into the world of comedy in the 1950s. Her cackling laugh, large hair, biting one-liners, and outlandish costumes helped quickly make her a household name. She also helped pave the way for many other female comics. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a condition that afflicts half a million Canadian Zoomers, and most of them don't even know it. Mild cognitive impairment, or MCI, is considered a border zone between mild changes and full-blown dementia. Now brain health experts at Baycrest have written a guide to recognizing the disease and slowing its progression. Dr. Nicole Anderson is one of the three authors of Living with Mild Cognitive Impairment, and she dropped by our studios for a chat. First of all, what is mild cognitive impairment? Mild cognitive impairment is the boundary zone between normal aging and dementia. So you know that people don't wake up one day and suddenly they have dementia. They go through a transitional phase between healthy normal aging and dementia, and that's what mild cognitive impairment, or MCI, is. What are the signs? The signs are similar to what we see with dementia, but milder. So uh, forgetfulness is the most common one, repeating the same questions. Uh, It can include getting lost in a familiar place uh, or just taking longer to organize things than you did in the past. I guess the real question is how do you distinguish between normal aging, a bit of memory loss, and mild cognitive impairment? That is a tricky call, and of course, we all make memory slips. It's perfectly normal to make them, and the truth is that as we age, we make more of them, even as a part of normal healthy aging. But to really know whether what you have is going beyond normal aging, it takes getting an assessment uh, because we have standardized tools that will tell us whether your memory is within the range that it should be for normal healthy aging. Now, it's interesting. You say half a million Canadians are living with this, but only a small percentage actually know they have it. Exactly. And that's because, again, I think our awareness about what MCI is is just growing um, and it's very new. Well, you say that people with mild cognitive impairment, MCI, can lead a normal life. They can still hold their jobs, but I guess they're afraid of the stigma. That's right. Uh, And that is the defining characteristic that distinguishes MCI from dementia. Uh, And that is that people with MCI can function normally, independently. Um, And so do their banking, plan activities, perform in their occupations. They might be having a bit more difficulty doing those things than they did in the past, but they can still uh, get along in those tasks. If you've been, I guess, forgetting more things than usual, what what are some of the other things that would take you to the doctor? Uh, A big one is that if somebody else is noticing it, because we're not always the best judges of our own behavior. Uh, It can go either way. We either are convinced that something's wrong when it's not, or we tend to minimize and and avoid certain issues. But if a close loved one is getting concerned, 
then that's a good sign that something is going on. Does it take a long time to arrive at this diagnosis? Uh, that depends. It's variable. Um, in larger city, there's, there's better access to specialists and, and neuropsychologists. That's not as easy in smaller communities. So one of our big goals is to help spread the message to general practitioners. Uh, so if people don't have access to a neuropsychologist, they can still get the help and get the diagnosis in their community. In this book, you also give people some tips on how to live with MCI and also tips for their loved ones. Right. So uh, the last third of the book is really about what you can do in your own life to help slow down the progression of MCI. And they include uh, eating a healthier diet, exercising, getting cognitive activity, cognitive stimulation in your life, or just thinking harder, as well as social activity. So it's all the things that are good for everything else, basically, are good for your cognition. That's right. They're good for all of us at all ages, but the important point is that the research is growing, showing that among people with MCI, it's particularly exercising and cognitive engagement have been the most studied, social, social engagement as well. People who engage in these activities are less likely to convert or progress from MCI to dementia. Does it have to be heavy exercise, moderate exercise, how much do you... Yeah, there are guidelines about that. So uh, moderate exercise, most of the research has been done on walking, uh, walking up to an hour a day. People build up to that over time. So if they're sedentary, just starting at 10 minutes, building up to an hour a day three times a week. Uh, and they've seen these positive changes in how well people can think and remember and even differences in brain size. Three hours a week of any kind of moderate exercise will do, right? Right. Anything that's moderate, meaning that it's raising your heart rate uh, to 50 to 75% of its maximum capacity. So you are sweating, you are having to breathe harder, but it's not an all-and-out strenuous activity. Now, when you say cognitive, uh, do you mean crossword puzzles, Sudoku, all that kind of stuff? To some extent, although the research about those puzzles in particular is a little bit disappointing, um, but our message is just anything that keeps your brain going. So it could be puzzles if, if that's what you like to do. I wouldn't do that solely, however. Um, so joining book clubs or discussion groups, attending lectures, listening to documentaries, anything that challenges yourself cognitively will be beneficial. And the social engagement, keeping up with other people. Right, right. And there, the three things that seem important are um, the, your network size, how many people that you connect with on a regular basis, but more importantly, the depth or meaning of those connections. So it's uh, more important to have a few close friends and confidants than it is to know lots of people but not really connect with any of them. Dr. Anderson will be back next week with tips on how to broach this delicate subject with loved ones and some practical, everyday memory strategies. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. We'll take a quick break, and then we come back with Rabbi Capers Founier, the head of the largest African-American congregation in the United States. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. He's Michelle Obama's cousin and the rabbi of the largest African-American Hebrew congregation in the U.S. Rabbi Capers Founier's mission is building bridges to diverse communities. I sat down with him when he was in town 
for this summer's Idea City Conference. You are the spiritual leader, the rabbi of the largest African-American Jewish congregation in the United States, in Chicago. In Chicago, Illinois, yes. Beth Shalom uh, was organized in 1918, and so we uh, have been around now for about 94 years. How are you accepted both on the Jewish side and on the African-American side? Uh, We're accepted in both communities quite well. On the Jewish side, I'm a member of the Chicago Board of Rabbis. I sit on the board of at least four uh, Jewish organizations in this metropolitan area of Chicago, uh, as well as the boards of other organizations uh, such as theological institutions. Uh, On the African-American side, I do a lot of interfaith work. Uh, with respect to building better relationships between African-American clergy and their understanding of the state of Israel and its needs and its security needs, finding supporters for the state of Israel within the uh, African-American Christian community is very, very important to me. So I'm reaching out on both sides of the spectrum and certainly looking to further build greater relationships on both sides with the Jewish world as well as with the African-American world. There's a big rift. I mean, if you go back to the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, it was as though the African-American community and the Jewish community were kind of allied. And then there was a big rift, and I think that's a mild way of describing it. Where do you think that's at now? I think that the, the void is being filled by a lot of organizations. Years ago, we were sponsoring a Freedom and Justice Seder that brought together over 600 African-American and Jewish members from around the city of Chicago to celebrate the similarities of the meaning of the Passover Seder, both to the Jewish community and the African-American community. I participated in all of those Seders. So it's been a slow, arduous process. But first, we have to reestablish trust and rebuild trust. And that takes time. What is the source of the enmity, really? A lot of things. Uh, You had unfortunate statements by uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. We had uh, some terrible statements by uh, Louis Farrakhan uh, that were, the Jewish community found, rightly so, very alienating. So over the years, there have been many, many factors that have caused to the, the breaking down of the relationship. But you have now a lot of people on both sides of the equation that are working to rebuild and reestablish those relationships. Now, you don't just work in the States. You are reaching out. You, you want more Jews in the world. I want more Jews in the world, and I work um, now. Uh, I travel to Africa about twice a year. I'm working in Nigeria with about 30 congregations. I have roughly 15,000 folks. So I'm working there in these emerging communities, emerging synagogues, and we're looking to try to bring more resources to bear uh, for their Jewish education, to bring them into normative Judaism. And this work is going on in South Africa amongst the Limba. Uh, It is going on in Cameroon and Nigeria and Ghana amongst the uh, Igbo, the Igbo, the Yoruba. And so all of these communities we're working with, as well as in Uganda, uh, with uh, Rabbi Gershom Sumuzu, uh, who has established the yeshiva there. And so we're looking for promising students from different parts of sub-Sahara Africa to send to Uganda to study with Rabbi Gershom so that they can take rabbinic Judaism back to their particular communities. A lot of these communities suffer from a lot of religious and ethnic strife to begin with. So where do Jews stand in there? Do, are they ignored because the other groups are too busy hating each other, or are they uh, kind of right in there? 
No, they're more so ignored unless they make themselves known because in Nigeria, for instance, the big rift is between the Muslim community and the Christian community. So the Jewish community, number one, they're more isolated in the seven states that I mentioned in the southern portion of Nigeria. But from time to time, when Jews are in Abuja, which is the capital of Nigeria, or in cities like Jos, which has a very mixed population of Muslims and Christians, sometimes uh, Jewish synagogues there are attacked and burned and Jews are persecuted there. Yes. There is a growing enmity to, uh, between Muslims and Jews. Where do you see that? I think that we need to do more work. What we're trying to do is create the space to develop those relationships between rabbinic clergy, Islamic clergy, so that we can stand together on particular issues against anti-Semitism and against Islamophobia, which is very rampant in very many parts of the United States today. You are Michelle Obama's cousin. Yes. Do you have any input in the Jewish ceremonies they have at the White House? Hanukkah. I go there and eat all the food I can. It's real good. <laughs> we eat all the lakas. We have, it's, the lamb is delicious. They kosher the entire kitchen and uh, they have about 500 people there. Uh, so my wife and I are there for Hanukkah every year. Uh, but we were there with George Bush, so it was uh, real nice. And as I told the president, you know, Bush had a little bit more one time, so you got to step it up a little bit. <laughs> Rabbi Capers Funye, thank you very much. Thank you so very much for having me. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. That's the music of Leonard Bernstein. He would have celebrated his 94th birthday this weekend. In just a moment, we'll hear one of his iconic songs. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, it's a musical about the life of Charlie Chaplin. Warren Carlyle directs and choreographs Rob McClure as Charlie Chaplin, a Hollywood heavyweight of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. The show is in previews at the Ethel Barrymore Theater on West 47th Street. In Chicago, see Buried Treasures, Art in African American Museums. This exhibition at the DuSable Museum of African American History features some 90 works of art from noted 19th and 20th century artists. To London, Yoko Ono's video art is featured at the Serpentine Gallery in Kensington Gardens. And in Italy, the International Opera Festival continues at the Arena in Verona. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Thanks, Jane. This week, the legendary American composer Leonard Bernstein would have celebrated his 94th birthday. Throughout his career, he straddled the line between classical and contemporary music. He wrote numerous ballets, choral works, orchestral suites, and three acclaimed symphonies. He was also one of the 20th century's most prominent conductors, leading the New York Philharmonic through many historic performances and recordings. However, perhaps his best-known work was on the Broadway musical West Side Story, the tale of two lovers from rival gangs set in the Upper West Side of New York City. Here's the musical's breakout hit tonight. Began tonight. I saw you 
That was tonight from West Side Story by the great Leonard Bernstein. He would have celebrated his 94th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week when we once again are joined by Nicole Anderson to learn about how to live with mild cognitive impairment. See you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.